0: The reading of the Scriptures from Genesis chapter 27, reading verses 1 to 29. I invite your attention to the reading of God's Word, and as always, may God give grace and faith both in the reading and in the hearing of His Word. From Genesis 27, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. And he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me a delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau, So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I might prepare from them delicious food for your father Such as he loves, and you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you now to join me in another occasion for prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, we come again to You. Um, we come to worship our great God and Creator. We come to give You thanksgiving for all that You have done for us and are doing and will doing for us, for the great gift of salvation in Your Son, the gift of the Spirit to give us new life. Uh, that we might look upon the Savior with the eyes of faith and the ears of faith and hear his voice and believe upon him. Thank you for your fatherly care uh, through this past year, uh, full of your mercies and helps every day. As we look toward the new year, we seek your favor and blessings for this church, our family, our loved ones, and all that we set our hands to do confident that come what may in the new year through the hand of providence you will work all things for our good bless us this morning through the gift and the ministry of the word to us through Phil we are thankful for him for his ministry in the word and father as your word is firmly fixed forever in the heavens Bless it now to us may it go forth in power and may the Spirit of God open our eyes to behold wonderful things in Your Word and may Your Spirit move us to be not just hearers, but doers of the Word so that we might walk in the commandments of Christ and we may honor Him for all that He has done for Him as we love and serve Him. We ask these things in His name. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers.
1: In our study of the book of Genesis, uh, one of the things that becomes uh, prominent is uh, the work of our great adversary, uh, Satan or the devil, and uh, he leaves a trail of deception wherever he goes. It's one of the great hallmarks of his uh, uh, perverted uh, ministry uh, that is to deceive, if you think of of uh, Genesis chapter 3, he comes into the garden sanctuary and deceives Adam and Eve. He's been doing that ever since. Notice, into the sanctuary. He doesn't need to deceive outsiders. They're already deceived. He comes within the church to deceive within the church. And this is the tragic story of his deception that has come in Uh, to the family of the son of promise. Uh, Tragic story of men attempting to usurp the prerogatives of God uh, that have been made evident in his word. And since the divine will includes the end and the means, it's the sadder tale of the children of promise using deception to advance God's purposes. A, a quick review. Uh, the end of God is, of course, His glory in all things. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They can never be taken away. They are irrevocable. That's the end uh, for us uh, that He saves us, and that's irrevocable. But there's also the means, a classic expression of the means that God uses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, well, let's uh, repair to the chapter before us, Genesis 27. Uh, Jacob secures the blessing or promise by deception. A totally unauthorized means. But that's how we learn, is it not? By watching men and women fail. Uh, there's a, a prologue to this in the previous chapter, verses 34 to 35, and that is that Esau abandons the faith and marries outside of the blessings of the covenant. Uh, he, uh, he takes uh, wives outside of the family of promise, contrary to, again, the divine prerogative that you and I have learned in Genesis chapter 2. Notice verse 35, and they made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. And so we know that the life of Esau is framed by his character. Uh, it's a tragic story. We will learn more about him, sadly, uh, the Lord willing in the Sunday to come. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's worthwhile to uh, learn from his great failures, In our particular chapter, verses 1-5, to Isaac plans to transmit the blessing of succession in opposition to the divine will. Uh, That is a tragic, tragic story of how uh, Isaac has compromised his faith. He knows what the will of God is. We'll look at that momentarily. But he's going to do the opposite based on what he wants. Uh, So the text tells us he's elderly. He's lost his eyesight. And he thinks he's about to die. Uh, And he wants to bless his... Notice his favored son, Esau. So he asks him to go on a hunting uh, trip and prepare for him his favorite meal before he blesses him. If you think behind all the theology that he wants Something to please him as over against the pleasing of God. Uh, the markers are uh, haunting for me. Notice verse 34, such as, such as, I love. Uh, Get for me a meal such as I love and do it for me, for me. It's very interesting here that we have a classic a logical description of a cause and effect. Uh, Esau, do something for me and I will bless you. Uh, think, for example, the great text of the Abrahamic blessing. Uh, as God ratifies the covenant with Abraham, uh, what does he do to Abraham before the covenant is ratified? He puts him to sleep. So that the entire ratification of the covenant is based solely and entirely upon the grace of God. Remember the two the animals are divided uh, to effect something of a curse? you don't fulfill the covenant you're going to be cut just like these animals the animals are cut and separated and then God puts Abraham to sleep and he walks down the aisle to effect the promise what a great expression of God's grace reminded to us what you and I were dead in sin and God made us alive God's grace Uh Isaac is also ruled by social and legal custom. The social and legal custom is you have two sons. uh, All the blessings go to the firstborn. That's not the way God wants it done. And we know that. I suspect Isaac knows it. But he's either forgotten it or he says, to heck with the divine word, I'm going to choose my way. Let's look back at Genesis chapter 25. In verse 23, there is an oracle from God to his wife. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples shall be separated from your body. Uh, One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Uh, That is the oracle that the blessing is going to go not to Esau, but to the youngest son, contrary to social custom. Contrary to primogeniture and fully in accord with God's irrevocable decree to bless those whom he wishes to bless by his sovereign will. As an old man, perhaps he's grown sentimental, caring more for his belly, caring more for a savory dish than the will of God. Uh, Genesis chapter uh, 25 and verse 28. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So part of the deception uh, is Satan has come into the family of the sons of promise and worked deception and tragically uh, caused there uh, to be a love of one parent for a favorite uh, as over against all sons. Uh, Again, I I have to remind you, the Christian families, we love all of our sons and daughters the same. We have passion for them all. We have passion for their salvation, to teach them the fear and the admonition of the Lord and to walk in the way of the Lord. We don't love one more than the other. That would be improper. That's exactly what has occurred in the family, the sons of promise. Isaac has a favorite son by the name of Esau. Rebekah has a favorite son named Jacob. Uh, and so this man, Isaac, is overtaken by his feelings. And what I refer to as the divine Me. Do what's best for me. Make me happy and bring me my favorite meal. So he's about to jeopardize the promise. Uh, But God uses means too. In this case, Rebecca was listening. And so she learns uh, of the wayward plotting of her husband. And she's going to act. She has the right end, but the wrong means. Because she's going to use deception to secure the blessing upon her favorite son. And against a reminder that Satan has been present. The arch deceiver has come into the family of the sons of promise and deceived the parents. One to affect an end that's contrary to the will of God. And the other to use the means of deception to prosper uh, the end of God. And both are wrong. Because God establishes the end and the means. There's the right end, the glory of God. And there's also the right means that He has established for us in Scripture. But she's going to affect deception. Tragic, tragic story. Uh, we affirm that uh, the end is proper, but not the means. And God determines both. But because love is absent in the family... She plots to exploit her blind and helpless husband. By the way, we learned from the book of Leviticus that that's entirely improper. You do not exploit people who are in stages of weakness, but she does. It's almost painful to say it. Uh, imagine uh, uh, a wife exploiting her husband, or a husband exploiting his wife. Uh, we know what happens and. Uh, in the world and, and, and in the sons uh, of the world, but not, not the sons of God. Uh, we love our spouses. And by the way, I define spouses based upon Genesis 2. Husband and wife. To love uh, one another passionately and to love the children that are their issue passionately. And even if it's not their issue, there's a son by adoption or a daughter by adoption to love them all the same as an expression of the love of the Heavenly Father. But she's going to exploit her husband. It's troubling to read of the favoritism of uh, parent for their sons. Uh, but it also a means that the family is in peril. Why is it in peril? Because the great deceiver has come into the Christian family. Yeah. Now, you might say to me, Well, Phil, uh, what should she have done? She knows the divine oracle from Genesis 25. Let me tell you what she should have done. She should have gone in love to her husband, Isaac, with the divine word. Uh, my, my, my dearly beloved husband, the divine word is, God has told us that the blessing goes to the younger, not by social custom. And she should also, uh, should have prefaced her going to her husband in prayer. She should have prayed for her husband for subordinating one's desires to the divine will. And that's a challenge for all of us in the new year. We're going to face many competing choices in the uh, new year, but we are to subordinate Our will to the will of our heavenly father and for his glory and to use the right end, his glory, as well as the right means, his word and in prayer and in love and the great virtues of the scripture. Nevertheless, she is dishonest and she is disloyal. While God will bless the outcome, he does not bless the means. And I would remind you something that we will study for the next several chapters. Uh, God is going to discipline harshly Rebekah for what she has done. And that there is great tragedy that will come upon Jacob for participating in the, the deception. The rest of his life virtually is a life of sorrow and sadness. And again, I remind you Book of Hebrews. God disciplines the sons that he loves. And so he will, both upon an errant wife and an errant son. Both will pay a high price. Uh, The essence of the trickery is to deceive her husband with a meal for the son that she loves, uh, namely to impersonate Esau to secure the blessing. So she selects, uh, she goes to the closet of Esau. Uh, selects a garment that he's worn, puts animal skins on uh, Jacob's uh, hands and the back of his neck and gives a savory meal and bread to Jacob and commands him to engage. It is it is a compounding act of a denial of the divine word as well as pure and simple deception. I, I would remind you again... Uh, The serpent came into the garden sanctuary and deceived Adam and Eve. And now we know by the deception that's being worked here that he's come in uh, to uh, the family of the sons of promise. Uh, I would remind every parent that's here, protect your families from the great deceiver by the scriptures, by love, and by prayer, and work mightily to those ends because he is working mightily to affect just the opposite, to work deception. Uh, It's also a good reminder that God does not need us to change the message or the proper transmission of it, and that obedience and loyalty to him should be paramount in our conduct. Even if it's to our harm, we must be loyal to God above all things. In faith, we're to subordinate ourselves to his word and the means of advancing the faith. Well, in verses 18 to 29, Jacob follows the plan absent faith and secures the blessing contrary to the will of God. Notice very interesting in this text something that is an echo of Genesis 3. Jacob obeys his mother. Adam obeyed Eve. Totally a reversal. Of the divine will. Uh, But such is uh, the work of the deceiver. So the son of promise by revelation lies his way to deceive his father. Again, another breach, is it not? We're not to lie. Sons, we're not to lie to our parents who love us, who teach us, who admonish us in the scriptures. But so he does. First, Isaac says, who are you? I am Esau, he says. Second, when asked how he was able to have such a successful hunt so quickly, he responds, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Think of it. He attributes the fraud to God. I mean, that's just as pure a definition of fraud as uh, there is in all the Scripture. Because God made it happen. God wasn't in any of this. But he's attributing his lies, his deceit, to God. Thirdly, are you really Esau? He's, he replies, I am. And then Isaac is seduced by a And unwittingly, he blesses Jacob for prosperity and dominion. It's just simply a carry-on of the Abrahamic blessing from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. But it's passed. Notice, passed to the proper son by improper means. They had no warrant whatsoever to lie and to cheat their way to the blessing. So remind you to be very careful. Conduct is paramount for Christian families. It's paramount to all of us who profess to be Christians in our personal behavior. It's all a negative way of telling us to have faith in God's word, for he is trustworthy. Again, I remind you, Rebecca should have said, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but you work it out. And I'm praying for my husband. I'm going to take to him the word of the Lord. We're to use the divine means that he proposes for spiritual success and leave it in His hands. We pray all the time, Thy will be done. Not my will, but Thy will be done. Our Savior taught us to pray in such a way. Again, by application, genuine and fierce loyalty between spouses. And love, and love for our children is a way of spiritual success for families are critical to advancing God's kingdom. Think of it in this way. Many churches are granting blessings upon alternative lifestyles. Accepting them into church uh, leadership as pastors and teachers. Telling us what. Satan has been at work not only in Christian families, but in Christian churches. Uh, in the end, of course, is ruin, because deception is not God's way. The greater lesson for us uh, this morning and every morning is that God uses uh, His fallen Son, but gives us a greater Son of promise, the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I would remind you of something. God's going to bless this deception He can do that because He's God. That's not a warrant for us to use it and then ask God to bless it. Uh, He's the sovereign who's not to be denied. If you will, Romans 11.29, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. There is no way in God's eternal decrees that the blessing could ever have been given to Esau. But they usurp. The will of God using deception. Uh, You and I know that Rebecca and Jacob's failure does not constrain God. Uh, This might shock some of you when I say it, but he is above the law. You and I are subordinate to it. God obeys no law because he is subordinate to no laws. He is above everything. Is the eternal sovereign creator. But you and I, in contrast, are subordinate ourselves uh, to civil law, but more importantly, to the laws of Scripture. Secondly, His end is His glory. And a means is our good witness. And that is where uh, Jacob and Rebecca fail. They give a poor witness. You and I must guard both. The message and our witness. And third, God is gracious. Like Jacob, He blesses us in spite of ourselves. One of the things I learned about myself in this, it's easy to uh, put up a dartboard. Uh, the background of the dartboard is uh, Rebecca, yeah. Jacob. We throw darts at him. Tisk tsk. You shouldn't have been uh, so bad in your conduct. But really, it's a lesson to all of us. Uh, Do not perpetrate fraud in God's name. Do not use deception to prosper the gospel. And he blesses us in spite of ourselves because of his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, uh, of whom we learned uh, last week that he is full of grace and truth. That is what God prospers. Truth. He doesn't prosper lies. He's going to use the lies of Rebecca and Jacob. But that's not his way. His way is truth. You and I, as the means that God's going to use, are to properly carry the message of truth. The truth of the gospel. And not trick people with some corruption gospel. Uh, you and I know that His Word is inerrant in that it is without error and neither will it lead to error. And His Word reminds us, by the way, never to use deceit. We find this in the Old Testament. Psalm two: How blessed is the man in whom his spirit is no deceit. God doesn't save us and make deceivers out of us forth, He has given us apostles of impeccable credentials. Let's look at those credentials. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 2. The credentials of the apostles sent forth by our great and true Redeemer Jesus Christ. But we have not, pardon me, but we have renounced the... Th- Things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's one way we know that the apostles of the Lord Jesus were true. They took the word that he gave to them and transmitted it to their generation and the proper means were accorded by God. The context is Paul is defending his credentials for false prophets have come into the church and they are trying to steal their hearts away. The word craftiness speaks to deception and the use of trickery. Paul said, I didn't use trickery to get you to come to faith in Christ. I didn't deceive you. The word adulterating means corrupting the word of the Lord and comes from the noun for the bait of a trap to ensnare someone in deceit. I would remind you all over the world today that there are churches who are playing God false. Uh, I pray in God's good grace, we will never be numbered among them. Uh, But that is what happens when they receive teachers according to their own desires and not according to the Word of God. Teachers who have corrupted and adulterated the Word of God to fit their particular ends and their particular glory. And they serve a meal that is contrary to the Word of God. Now, all this may sound elemental, but is worth remembering that you and I are in the end times. And the great deceiver is working hard, hard to deceive the church into falling away. We should expect there to be increasing deception and lawlessness and apostasy within the visible community. And God uses none of those things. That you and I are to look for a family of faith that uh, is full of grace and truth, is full of the true, genuine reality of who Jesus Christ is, and that He loves His people he loved them in eternity past. He loves them in the present. And He will love them to the end. And in His love, He will change them and make them over in His image. That is what we belong to. And that is who we are. The God in His grace uh, has given us uh, true men. Uh, reciting Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 so that you are no longer carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. What's Paul describing? A false church. Craftiness and deceitful scheming. Passing blessings upon alternative lifestyles. Where is that in Genesis 2? No. Where is it in any any chapter of the Scriptures? It's a way of man to corrupt the word of the Lord. Uh, You and I should treasure the word of the Lord and treasure the means that he has given us to prosper it according to his way and his uh, end. Lastly, uh, this morning we learn that we are to walk in love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God It's a fragrant aroma our Savior, under no obligation whatsoever, left His heavenly environment and all the glories of heaven and took upon Himself humanity to pay for the sins of His people and to render a sacrifice. Uh, The phrase uh, that Paul uses to describe the sacrifice of Jesus is that it was a fragrant aroma. The death of the Son of God The aroma ascended into heaven so much so that God was pleased with the death and sacrifice of His Son as a means that He will use to save all of His elect. The Father was pleased with the eternal Son and His sacrificial submission to the will of the Father. It's very interesting. uh, Ephesians chapter 5 uh, having presented to us the sacrifice of the Son of God, uh, Paul reminds us of deception. Why is he doing that? Because the deceiver is always working to get in churches. Ephesians chapter five verse six, "Let no one deceive you with empty words, but because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He's describing. A vice list of terrific proportionality. I leave it you later to read. Sadly, it's come into many churches as evidence that the deceiver is present. I trust in God's grace. He's not present here. He's present in his son, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. He's present in the, in the sublime majesty of the divine love to save his sons and daughters. He is present. And the sublime lesson of obedience as a way to secure the will of God, that our eternal Savior was obedient, obedient unto death, not just death, but death upon a cross, to purchase his people. That is what we hold here. Uh, not deception, uh, not trickery, not craftiness. Uh, we forsake that for the will of God. Uh, We also have uh, the reminder of God's end to save and His means, the sacrifice of His Son. We also have the reminder that He has left to us the sacrament of the Lord's table. Uh, If you will, some have called it a gospel to the senses uh, that our Lord Jesus took upon Himself humanity and suffered terribly. Uh, his, uh, His spirit was crushed if you will, broken. And as I break the bread, I I certainly remind you that uh, he was crushed to save his sons and daughters. And then he shed his blood. He poured out the life force of his humanity to save, to satisfy wrath, and to purchase his sons. Uh, before we partake of the sacrament, uh, I... Uh, I know that there are a few visitors here this morning. At Grace Bible Church, we uh, have a sacrament that is put before God's people in what I affectionately call an open communion. If you are a child of faith in Jesus Christ and know Him as your Savior, and you are not living in some known sin for which you refuse uh, to recant and repent before God, then uh, this table is as much for you as it is for me or any other member of Grace Bible Church. And we invite you to partake, to receive, and to remember the great blessings of God. Uh, uh, but more importantly, just to recast again uh, the great words of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2: and walk in love just as also Christ loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Uh, I would ask that as you uh, receive the bread, that you hold it uh, until which time uh, everyone in the church is served, and uh, we will partake uh, together as a manifestation of the unity of the people of God at Grace Bible Church. Well, let's prepare our hearts for Uh, the sacrament of the Lord's table let us pray father we are thankful for the bread of heaven who came down to this earth and took upon himself humanity and lived a life of perfect obedience and suffered of the great vagaries of uh, cruel persecution, and yet lived a life of full and complete obedience, that in sovereign grace, he could charge his obedience to our account to cause us to become the sons of God with the full rights and blessings of inheritance and life everlasting. And so, Lord, we come with hearts full of joy because we are sons by the truth and not by deception. And we hold these truths dear to our heart. But bless us, Lord, as we partake in acknowledgement of all of the blessings that accrue to us as the sons of the eternal God. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our only Redeemer. Amen. Uh, The Apostle Paul told uh, the Corinthian church is not the cup of blessing which we bless, a sharing in the blood of Christ. In other words, we fellowship with our Redeemer who is the host of the table. And a great and good host he is, a true host, a host full of grace and truth. I would remind you as the service is being passed, hold the cup until which time Uh, We have all been served. We will partake together, manifesting our unity. Uh, More importantly, in the center of the service, there is wine. In the periphery, there is grape juice that each may partake in the freedom of their own particular traditions. Uh, But let's now prepare our hearts to remember the sacrifice of our Savior and to rejoice in what his sacrifice did for us as his sons and daughters. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for our blessed and only Redeemer full of grace and truth that though He was under no obligation to save, He came to drink the cup of violence and divine retribution, suffering, a crushed and broken spirit, and yet obedient to the end, that we might become the sons of God and drink the cup of blessing and joy and celebration. To that end, Lord, we are profoundly grateful and thankful that we have a great salvation because we have a great Savior, the only Redeemer of God's elect, in whose name we pray. Bless us now, Lord, as we partake. For thy kingdom's sake, amen. If you would, uh, put the uh, service in the little receptacles in your pews. Uh, I certainly want to thank you all for coming uh, this morning to uh, hear the word of the Lord, particularly those who are uh, here visiting, a uh, family, and uh, we greet you, of course, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, we will meet uh, for prayer next Saturday at 8 a.m. I uh, invite you to come join us uh, in this uh, great, uh, great ministry behalf of the church. Does anyone have something you'd like to bring to the attention of God's be- people before we're dismissed? Well, good enough. Let's stand for concluding prayer and word of benediction. Our Father, we uh, praise Thee for the Texas morning because it teaches us uh, what not to do because of who we are. And may we be faithful to that charge to deliver truth, not trickery, adulterating uh, the word of God for human gain, but that whether, whether we would receive the truth from our great Savior and so pass that on uh, with great prayers for the advancement of thy kingdom. And now, Lord, blessing... And honor and glory be unto him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever and ever. Amen.